Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to Other Minds and Hands, and Happy New Year. As in real time, we are broadcasting at the beginning of January 2023 here. Of course, this broadcast is a little bit easier to date organically than other broadcasts, as uh, we will be talking today, for instance, about some uh, relatively recent Rings of Power news and stuff. So uh, in the future, you'll be able to tell more or less when uh, uh, when we broadcasted based on that. But in any case, here we are. Um, do you have good holidays, uh, uh, Maggie? Yeah, I did. And we all got sick before Christmas, but I feel like the whole world got sick before Christmas or during the break. So yes. I, I think there's definitely some like post pandemic, our threshold of uh, immunity is lowered and everybody got nailed. But it was really nice to have some time off. We went up to Scotland with the family and stuff. But how Good. about you? Yeah. Yeah, I was visiting family. My, uh, I, my nieces, whom we were visiting, were both sick. So we're kind of like, you know, right? waiting for it to hit, yeah. <laughs> you know, this week. It's only a matter of um, time. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. And any rewatches that are uh, new? So, from? yeah. So it was actually really fun. So last year um, at Christmas time, when my son came home from school in his freshman year for, for Christmas, um, we did a uh, Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings marathon with both of my sons and some of their friends. Had them over to the house. I cooked for them all day, and you know we had like the my standard like six meal marathon thing uh, for the Peter Jackson films. That was really fun. Uh, so this year, uh, um, uh, my son came home and was like, "Hey, can we do uh, can we do a Rings of Power marathon? Watch the whole you know first season because he hadn't seen it and his friends hadn't seen it." Um, so can, you know, I was like, okay, it was a shorter All marathon. Right. Of course, it was only, um, uh, it was, you know, the whole thing was only about 10 hours long instead of 14, uh, whole thing, meaning including the meals, of course. Um, uh, but, uh, and fewer meals too. I only really had time for four meals, which was oh. restrictive, you know, compared to the, uh, the normal <laughs> Peter Jackson pr uh, process. But, but surely um, there were snacks. I mean, there's a lot of grazing that goes on with Lord oh, of the Rings. Yeah. Well, but you, with these film marathons you you, you got to pace yourself because i do full meals okay. like so for the rings of power I did full meals between every other episode basically I'm, so i'm gonna need a copy of your menu i feel like this is an arm <laughs> of adaptation we have not discussed because yes. interpretation of text via food i right. can get very right. on board with yep yeah now it i was not doing elaborately thematic uh foods oh. i was mostly doing uh well let me just say this my 14 year old uh was a strong assistant on the menu so you know we were uh, uh serving many of his favorite things which Love therefore it. includes like a very large bowl of ramen noodles for instance Ooh. in one of the meals which you know no complaints about that a lot but, of um, carbs and cheese is what I'm a lot of sure. carbs and cheese is yeah basically, there's yeah. there's worst things in the world exactly oh that sounds exactly. like a, i was I'm, I'm turning 40 this year and i was talking to friends and family and stuff about what i plan to do and i don't really do much for my birthday it's not really that big of a deal but i was like but Tori <laughs> does this marathon yeah yeah i, well, I like used to do that <laughs> i used to do i used to do this this started back when i was uh teaching at the college down in maryland and we used to do this every year with my students and i would spend all day cooking uh oh. and we'd do elaborate meals uh we actually did uh uh, uh coney stew uh for uh, one of those, um, which <laughs> one of my cherished memories of that uh, uh, of that of my whole time at that institution 
was that day when we had gotten some fresh rabbit, which is not easy to come by all the time, you know, but we had come, we'd gotten some fresh rabbit and we were chopping it up. Um, the only place, the place where we were watching was in this classroom building. And the only room that was nearby was the faculty mail room where we could do prep and stuff. No, it was on yeah. Saturday. So almost none of the faculty ever came by. So it was relatively safe. But at one point in, in the late afternoon, my department chair comes in to check his mail. And there I am, covered in blood, like with, in an, and like in, with this, this, this cutting board with like these bloody, with like me and a couple of like my... Uh, You're you like, know, I'm very committed to education. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's like me and a couple of our majors, who are of course women, because we had 80%. So it's like me, me and two young women standing there <laughs> with, with like covered in blood with chopping up rabbits. And we're like, hi, um, yeah. We're um, Department of Ed. It's totally legit. Here. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Anyway, so never did anything is... as hardcore as that. We did a, an all-night reading of Paradise Lost once and ordered pizza at two a.m. But that was about the extent of my uh, commitment to lit. Lord of the Rings would have been way more fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, anyway, so so but but the long and the short of it is, I did get to rewatch the entire series, and not only get to rewatch the entire series, but got to rewatch it all in one day, which was oh. a really cool experience, actually. Um, and not only that, but I got to do that while like watching the reactions of people who had never seen it before. Of fresh eyes. That yes. would be the most exciting thing. Yeah. Of like, I, I've been texting some of some of our our circle um, during my rewatch. I'm only four episodes into my rewatch since. I mean, I watched it multiple times every time an episode came out, but I haven't watched it all together. And the main difference is I haven't watched it without subtitles, and I haven't watched it without pen and paper in my hand. And right. it has made such a difference to just sit and watch and enjoy. I still have some issues. I still have some, you know, observations and concerns, but I'm enjoying so many more parts of it that I just kind of glossed over in the analysis the first time around. Mm -hmm. And watching it with somebody with fresh eyes would just be, I feel like a real treat, you know, because yeah. you'd get to see yeah. them react to things that we kind of ignored because they weren't vital to analysis. <laughs> yeah, it, it really was. It really was. And I mean, one of the main things I do think trying to figure out exactly how to frame this. I do think that the week by week um, speculation, drama, you know, of the unfolding of the show, on balance, I would say, I think that that detracted from the experience of the show. I really do. Um, and because to, on the one hand, I would not have wanted them to just drop all eight episodes all at once. Um, I can't even we imagine. We couldn't have handled it. What, I couldn't have handled it. Yeah. I don't know how even I would have approached that. Um, but so in that sense, you know, just getting an episode a week to talk about. Um, and there was plenty to talk about. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I think of the discussions that we had on uh, on Rings and Realms. And that was, you know, I, I valued that. That was really great. Um, Definitely. However... It really does have a different impact. Even the stuff that I found shakiest and am still to this day most uncertain about, like the Mithril stuff and, and things like that, um, I don't... Um, it, it, it just it hits much less hard when you're it's, just watching it through. 
yeah that's the difference like it's there's still issues i still have problems with the pacing and mithril and gilgalad i mean there's definitely some things that i'm still like why are we doing it this way mm -hmm. but the flow is so much better yeah so i feel like dropping it episode by episode worked so well in terms of community and us and our lives how thoughtful for them to think about us when releasing these episodes yes. but in terms of a viewer i much prefer the marathon dump <laughs> yes yes um yeah no i i it really has um it really has made a difference like for instance one of the primary things was episode five um first of all i had forgotten how much stuff in episode five I really liked, you know, like episode five in my memory is just this like huge, uh, you know, the, all the, the mithril business, right? Yeah. Elrond and Gilgalad and all that stuff. There's a lot else that happened in episode five that I actually really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, and, and I, and I thought worked really well. And I, again, like in, in my memory that, was just like brooding over that whole week of episode five. Um, and uh, it's again, just the experience of watching that and then going straight to episode six was yeah. a, a completely different experience. Yeah. 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 And it's interesting to rewatch it. Sorry if you hear some background noise, it's my dog as normal um, <laughs> making a nest over here. Um, it's interesting to rewatch it too, knowing what we know about Halbrand, knowing what we know about some of the characters and some yes. of the arcs where things are going, which we'll we'll talk about some of the news that's come out. But it's also not changing my opinion of that element either. So like I don't know if we want to dig into Halbrand again right now, but like well, you know, I was revisiting our, our our jokey therapy session from the last episode of Rings and Realms and things like that, of like us dealing with that realization. And I don't think I've come that far in terms of mm -hmm. analysis and thought on it in terms of emotion sure i it's fine you know they did what they did but i just keep going back to how much we've lost in how great a character halbrand was mm -hmm. we've lost a really fantastic well-developed really interesting character that i think would have made a phenomenal king of the dead or witch king and we didn't get that instead yeah. we got the most obvious thing that episode three they started alluding to and then when it did actually come to that nail on head, I was like, really? And yeah. I don't feel any different. <laughs> I was kind of hoping no, I would. But no, I don't. I don't either. Uh, so, I mean, and here I want to. Okay. So, and for the record, I was feeling, I think I, I felt a little differently about it. I think in part, as you were saying, like the, the, uh, you know, I've, uh, I'm journeying towards acceptance, uh, still. Right. So, you know, in my personal reactions towards it, um, but that doesn't make me like it any better. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't, I still, here's the thing that to me still, I have a hard time. I mean, obviously there's still like the raft issue. Um, why is he on the raft in the first place? But it's more than that. It's all of his actions, almost all of his actions after that. So, I I like what we learned about Sauron from Adar. Which was episode five, by the way. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, like that was that was cool. Um no wait, that was six. That was anyway, whatever. Six. Um the the yeah, so I um I I I like what we learned about Sauron from Adar and how that fit 
with what we saw from Sauron in episode eight. Right. Uh And as I was saying at the time, like, had I seen episode eight as like a one shot, right. Um, I would have been fine with it. Like what they did with Sauron, with the reveal, with the psychological tormenting of, and temptation of Galadriel, the way that they depicted Sauron, the way that they had him interacting with her and her memories and what he was offering her and how he was characterizing and understanding himself and his history, all of that stuff I actually liked. I liked it right away. I mean, it was hard for me to separate that from the larger picture at the time, but I always liked that. Again, if I could just like have that segment on its own without the other seven episodes, I wouldn't have had a serious problem with it. But here's what I liked about it primarily. What I liked about it is the way that they characterize I don't want Sauron. And, and people who watch the Sun Film Project and have been watching the Sun Film Project for seven years will know I don't like the idea of Sauron just being like evil bad guy from day one, right? He should have an arc. He should have a process. There should definitely be a way in which Sauron believes he's the hero of his own story, right? And in which he believes that what he's doing is a good idea in some way, like that he's doing the right thing. And I like how they developed that. There are ways in which they could have done that that would be way, way worse, right? One of the things that I heard many people expressing was that they were going to lean into the like sympathy for the bad guy thing and that it was going to be like, oh, like he's not really evil. He's just misunderstood or whatever. It was trying to repent. Right. Or he's trying to repent. I loved the way that episode eight balanced this issue of his repentance. Right. What Galadriel finds right through their conversation on the dream raft. Right. uh, In her visions is that he he thinks he's repented, but he's not actually repenting, right? Like saving the world and ruling it is the same thing in his own mm-hmm. mind, dovetailing very well with that lovely line that was given to Adar about how Sauron was determined to heal the to heal Middle mm-hmm. Earth, right? He wanted to heal the hurts of Middle Earth, which meant reshaping, like gaining control over it and shaping it in exactly the way that he thought was best, right? Like asserting... Very Thanos of him. Yeah, yeah. Domination over it and that that's what healing looks like to him. That's great. I think that is a perfect characterization of Sauron. I loved that characterization of Sauron. And as I say, episode eight seemed to play off that really, really well. Here's now the problem I still have with the first seven, the rest of the first seven episodes with the Halbrand plot is that I don't see maybe they can still recoup it. It's still possible. I mean, it's, it's going to be recontextualized. We're going to get a reframing of what happened there um, yeah. in, the, in, in season two. I'm certain that that's going to happen. And in that process, it's possible that they could recuperate this w- in ways that I, I are, I'm going to find satisfying. I'm not going to rule that out. But as it stands, the Halbrand plot doesn't really fit that. What was yeah. he doing in Numenor? Yeah. You could say, oh, he really was trying to settle down and like start afresh, start fresh. in Numenor. Um, but he wasn't trying to start fresh. He wasn't trying to. His whole plan was to dominate Middle Earth all along. That was made clear in Episode Eight. That's what the whole healing of Middle Earth thing was about. How does the Numenor thing fit into that? Is it instead like, oh, he wanted to? 
uh, he, you know, when he got to Numenor, he changed gears and said, I'm going to start the healing of Numenor, of Middle-earth by first taking over Numenor and then using it to rule Middle-earth. Maybe, maybe that was part, I mean, it's, it's conceivable, but that, the seeds of that were not very well established uh-huh. in, you know, episodes three and four and five when they were uh when they were uh when they were there in Numenor. Um that was the other episode five thing. The um the the Isildur plot and the um uh and the the exchange which I still love between Halbrand and Goadriel at the forge, right? When they're mm-hmm. ha- when she's having her moments of like self discovery there. Mm-hmm. Um I still really like that scene. Again, those were the scenes that were like being overshadowed in my memory by the mithril. But story. those are great scenes. It's still yeah. like an issue in the arc. It's an issue in the character. But you can have incredible moments from a bad film, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, but anyhow, so I, I, I still find those things unsatisfactory. Why did he get on the raft? Um, still is an utterly unanswered question. I still do not, I do not find anyone's answer that I've ever received to why he's on the raft in any way convincing. Um, not in the slightest way. Um, even people who just want to try to convince me that it was an efficient means of travel. Right. No, a refugee ship out of the Southlands is not going to be your most efficient way of travel, as is evidenced by what happened to it. Right. It's not even a good ship. Right? It wasn't a good ship in the first place. Um, anyway, so I, I, I and and kind of taking this sort of backing up from this a little bit, I want to talk a little bit more um, because I think that. A lot of people, and we've talked about this before, but and we're a lot of people talking about it. Yes, <laughs> a yeah. lot of people misunderstand what we're doing here, and like when I talk about the Rings of Power, even on Twitter. So, like people will remember, many of you will remember um, that tweet that I tweeted, which got a lot of circulation. You know, back in September, I think it was, when I said, "Here are the top three things that I hope don't happen uh, in the Rings of Power." One of the things that people were ways that we were responding to that as, as, as if I were making predictions, right? I was throwing it back at you saying, yeah, they were throwing it back look, at me later on. You See, look, wrong. you turned out to be wrong it's about like, all these things. And I'm like, I, I was, it wasn't even a right or wrong thing. What I said it was, was right or wrong. It was a hope. Yeah. yeah. I'll be disappointed if these, th- you know, if these three, three things happen, I'll be a little disappointed. So my prediction was that I would be a little disappointed if they happened. And that came out to be true. I was in yeah, fact a little disappointed <laughs> when, when those three things happened. Um, but, uh, but so 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 he, he, here's the thing. Like I, I want to explain. I want people because it's hard. I do understand most of what people do online are reactions, often yeah. very emotionally charged reactions. And that's and what we're all used. And that's the main thing I think we're all used to seeing when you're looking at any kind of analysis or discussion or show or clip based yeah. on a series because that's what people do. That's what people you know? do. Like, there isn't a lot of analysis. There's a ton of discussion and reaction. Yeah. And that's from the beginning. This show, Other Minds and Hands, was designed not to be that. Like, we've wanted not to fit it. Remember, this is supposed to be a place to just come in, a safe place to discuss things, to come yeah. and talk things over, not to have emotional reactions to it, and not the- to be, um, you know, pushing, oh, this is crap or, oh, this is wonderful. Like, it's yeah. no, none of that is the point. It's let's, let's think this through. Let's and it doesn't think mean this through in a safe div- place. 
And I also think that it doesn't mean we're devoid of emotion because I find it really hard to not have my own personal opinion appear or, you know, be frank. But I usually take my opinion as like a way to notice how I feel about a certain something. So like if I really love that scene, why did I really love that scene? Let's look at it, you know? So like that's the bit that I get more analytical about of like if it it elicits a response, then there's something going on there and I want to find out what it is and why it's working that way and how it relates to the original source material and what decisions were made to make that happen on screen. And similarly, when something really irks me, why does it irk me? What's wrong? Where did the irk go wrong? And it's so nice to do that with Corey because you can tell me story-wise what went wrong and I can mm-hmm. tell you like structurally what <laughs> right. might've gone wrong. And, right. and right. that's really helpful, but it's not like we don't have opinions. That's just not what the point of this is. No, <laughs> it's, I'm not interested really in discussing those much at all. Um, and so when I talk, when I, when I talk like that, or like, let's take, for example, I was saying from the beginning of the season, like in Rings and Realms and stuff, I was saying from the beginning of the season, I think the stranger is a wizard and I think he's going to be one of the blue wizards. I've been saying that. Now, this is not a... Even there. So, there are two different processes, which are similar, but they're extremely and importantly different. One process is, let me do analysis of the story that's happening and say what and project forward and imagine here's what I believe knowing the source material and seeing what they've done here's what I think would be a satisfying conclusion like here's what I think would be like a good adaptation move like this is what I this is what I want to see this is what I think we have reason to expect um so like in, so in that sense these are my expectations and I was expecting him to be a wizard from the based on the cues that they were given um to say this is what I am predicting they're going to do is a totally different thing. Totally this different distinction thing. will be clearer to people who have been listening to me for a long time and remember the Riddles in the Dark series when the Hobbit films came out. Because there, those two things were very separate. You will remember, those of you who listened to Riddles in the Dark back in the day, will recall we did a lot of that, like, here's what we would do. Here's what we think would yeah. make a good adaptation. Especially given, and, and this was continually refined by, you know, stills that were released and trailers and stuff like that, right? Okay, so like given the parameters that we've got, here's what we think would be good. And then there was separately the question, um, you know, we had our series of predictive questions that we did. Those were the, the actual riddles, right, in the dark, which said, what do we think Peter Jackson's actually going to do for each one of these things? And often we would spend a whole episode talking about what we thought should be done. And then we would predict at the end, and we predict something totally different from what we from what we just said, right? Um, I am that second thing that 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 predicting element. Again, I'm very little interested in that. I'm not trying to guess what they're doing. I'm not trying to like get it right. That's not right. even my goal. What I'm saying is, here's the direct like, knowing, seeing, like doing analysis of what we have and knowing the text. Here's where it seems to be going. This is what I think would be as. And that's why I say things like, if this happens, I'll be disappointed. Yeah. Because I think it's not going to, from where I'm standing, it does not look like that's going to hold together really well or that's going to introduce some awkwardness and problems that I don't think should be. I think it's a, you know, so obviously I always like my own ideas best, right? <laughs> Before I see. Because they're right. Because obviously, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're very good, clearly, <laughs> right? But th- this, of course, it does mean 
they're, they're you know, I'm, I'm not predicting. I don't know what they're going to do. Sometimes what they're going to do is simply going to disappoint me. Like, I'm going to be like, yeah, that's, I don't think that's as good a story as the one I had in my head. Like, I, I still like my own idea better. Um, there are going to be other times where I'm going to be like, actually, they didn't do, they didn't go in the direction it looked like they were going to go in. Um, but, but this is interesting. Like, I, yeah. you know, I hadn't thought of this. I wouldn't have thought of this, but I really kind of like this. Um, so I think a lot I, of it, yeah. goes, sorry, I think no. a lot of that goes back to like what we were talking about with Christmas Carol, like that, that observation and realization that as long as the core right. thing that makes that thing, the thing that you love about that story doesn't change, we're okay. So yeah. for you, like picking three things, I'm going to be disappointed because if those three things were done poorly or incorrectly, then it would threaten your core. And it's defining that core. It's hard for our, like us to define that core for ourselves, I think, because like you said, like I'm going to make a decision of what I think and I, I, it's going to be right because it's my brain. And therefore, mm -hmm. if it makes sense in my head, then it's right. But as, an, as a creator, trying to guess what is right in every single person's brain who they're not entirely sure what it is until they see it is right. just such a challenge so you have to take all these things into consideration and just do the best that you can with the situation that you're you're given yeah. but trying to not muck up that core is is yeah kind of key exactly <laughs> so like if exactly. you're and i think that's one of the things that's been so challenging with rings of power you know i'm seeing this discussion that's happening in the chat as well about adaptation you know, is it a derivative? Is it an adaptation? Is it inspired by all these things? Because we don't have a core text, it's tough to get a core thing to care about, right? But what we do have, they're kind of messing with. So it's automatically setting you a little bit off comfort yeah, with well, things like so, Rail, with, you know, Gilgalad, right. with these people that are, these, these elements that are not the way that we think we would expect them. But again, like you said, we're in the long game. Like, I'm willing to be patient, but most people aren't. So I, yeah. I understand why there's a lot of confusion. Yeah, and I, I, I get that. And I mean, and it's, it's uh, as you say, everybody has like what they're hoping for, for one reason or another, right? Um, and <laughs> no show, you know, no adaptation is possibly going to please everyone and meet everybody's expectations and hopes, right? Um, which is why... It's not going to meet the... And it's not going to meet yeah. the creator's hopes. They're going to do the right. best that they can, but, you know, there's there's always things that are just different than what right. you read and, and shifted from how you pictured it and all of that. Right. Um, yeah. So, um, so, so let me get my, my three things, if I'm recalling them correctly, were... Halbrand turns out to be Sauron. The stranger turns out to be Gandalf. And Durin's Bane comes out during the Second Age. Like, during the course of the show. Those were the three things that I said in that tweet, I hope don't happen. Um, or that I hope will turn out to be not true. Um, and again, let me explain... I, this is not these. These are not predictions. This is not me saying. At, at no point was I saying I am predicting. You know, I'm I'm, I'm calling this. I don't think any of these things are going to happen. In fact, the whole premise of the tweet is that there were reason to think that all three of them might happen. And I was say I was saying I don't think I I, I will I I will be a little bit disappointed if they happen and to different extents. Um, I think that um, the. In some ways, actually, they are reconciling me. I feel differently about Durin's Bane, actually, um, 
I'm of the three. It's funny because at the time that I said that, I think it was after maybe episode three or four, um, that I made that tweet. I can't remember exactly. Um, but, um, I, at that time, that was the one that looked most certain to happen of the three. And, uh, and the one that I felt most, uh, most negative towards, um, just in the sense, as I explained in Rings and Realms, that of the three, it seemed to me that it was going to be the most costly in from an adaptation perspective, from a, from a, from a textual perspective. Like it would require more wholesale change, which is going to have consequences, which is it's going to be expensive. You're going to have to pay for it down the road. Um, there are things that you'll lose by making that choice uh, to shift it back. And that's always true. There are always costs and benefits of any choice that's made. Um, but I thought, like, for my blood, that one was too expensive. Um, I'm actually feeling better about it. Like, I, well, if it does happen, from where I'm sitting right now, I think I'll be, I'm, I'm, I am more reconciled to it. Um, and ironically, it seems less likely to happen. I'm less certain now that it's going to happen than I was back then, too. Yeah. Um, so I've kind of completely flopped in, in some ways, which, again, is kind of what's supposed to happen. Like, as yeah. I'm seeing what's revealed and thinking more about that and its relationship with the text, I, I'm kind of seeing it in a slightly different context now. Um, the um, the Halbrand is Sauron thing we've talked about. Um, the reason I was... Um, my resistance to Halbrand being Sauron all the way through the season was not based on I don't think they would do this. Right? Again, it wasn't about prediction. It was about saying, I think that that is a poor fit of the story that they, like, should that turn out to be true, it will retroactively make the story that they've been telling a much worse story yes. than the story yes as it sits right now. Um, I, I believed that. That's why I didn't want it to happen. That's why I was... Re and even the things... Some of the very arguments that people made in favor of the prediction, basically. And again, there was always... I felt like I was always operating at cross-purposes where people were trying to predict. People say, oh, he's totally Sauron. He's totally Sauron. And I'm like, yeah, that's not the point. Yeah. <laughs> the point is... I'm looking at the, the story there. And many of the arguments that people were making when they were being predictive about it are the very reasons I thought it would be bad. So like, let me give a specific example. Many people said that the conversation between Halbrand and Galadriel in prison, in, prison. in Numenor, right, when he does that, when he says that thing about um, how if you want to control people, you uh, find out you know, what they're most afraid of and give them a way to master it. Right. Yeah. And people were like, as soon as he said that, I knew he was Sauron. And yeah. I said, as soon as I heard him say that, I was desperately hoping he was not Sauron. Because it, it was just too blatantly obvious. And it, yes. that just feels like a cheap reveal, especially because I feel like it was really leaned into about this who were Sauron debate. There were so many memes about, like, you know, the horse yes. of Sauron and all this kind of stuff yes. that made me laugh. But at the same time, like, that ended up being kind of the driving motivational force of this storytelling and it that wasn't the driving force no. for me and then the reveal was exactly as it was set up to be that just made me go really so yeah, yeah. it just it felt very underwhelming and a bit of a shame to have all that development yeah. for something that 
I didn't really buy into anyway. Yeah. And so like m many people, when I would say that, would say in response, oh, but like, come on, like, it's obvious, like you have a character, um, you wouldn't ever have a character who is not Sauron saying something like that. And I'm like, I 100% disagree with that. That actually the better storytelling would be to put that line in the mouth of someone who is not Sauron. So when Sauron ends up doing that, like that's exactly yeah. like you don't want it just to be like, here's a clue for you to figure out the mystery. Mystery is cheap. Mystery mm -hmm. is cheap. Um, and once it's once the mystery is solved, it's done. It is it is that it is it is unsatisfying and it is brief. The pleasure is brief. What you would want to do, like I, in my opinion, again, how I would do it, far better storytelling is in fact to put that line in the mouth of somebody else, have yeah. that idea planted only to see like that's and, and for a while it looked like that was happening. Yeah. Right. That that scene was in episode four. Uh, yeah, it was episode four, um, the prison scene. And then episode five, we got the reveal about the, the, the blight of the tree uh, in Linden, right? And all of the anxiety that was obviously motivating, like, you know, all of a sudden we saw this greatest fear of Gilgalad and, uh, and Celebrimbor, right, about the fate of the elves and how it could be averted, right? And they clearly, they desperately needed somebody to help them to, like, master this problem, right? Which obviously, like, looked like it was setting up the rings of power. So... For a while, I was like, actually, that's brilliant, right? If Halbrand is not Sauron, that's brilliant, right? To have him say that, right, and plant that in our minds so that when over here this other thing starts happening, we're like, oh, right, I see how that was pointing to the book. Like, that's actually what Sauron is doing behind the scenes. The cleverness of, of that, the sort of the way that that got revealed was not, uh, was not emphasized, was not proved by the reveal it was undermined by the reveal it was flattened by the reveal what was the reaction of the fresh eyes in your house do you remember what like i'm reading the chat here of the you know the surprise and i i know quite a few people too that had no idea that i started on and they were surprised at the end and i was like really but yeah like you said our expectation is different than the casual viewer so i am curious like broad picture take a step back did this fall better with folks that didn't have the expectation that we did? Yes, it did, I think. Um, well, here's one of the other things. I feel like um, the th I talked about how I thought that the, like, the episodes f flowed much better when there was not the, like, stop for weekly speculation. And the primary reason, again, the opportunity to analyze every week was great. The thing that I felt at the time and feel still still feel very strongly um, undermined the show was the mere pandering to speculation, mm -hmm. right? The, the 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 mystery, the mystery yeah. thing, right? Um, the mystery thing has a better effect. Um, the mystery thing has a better effect when you're watching it all in one shot, right? Um, the Halbrand reveal did seem to be much more powerful. I, I don't know that my guests were surprised necessarily. I mean, I, they weren't, they didn't re visually reel back in shock when it was revealed to be Halbrand there at the end. But then again, I don't think that's what they were even going for. The way mm. that the uh, hints 
begin to get dropped more and more heavily through the first half of episode eight before mm-hmm. the final confrontation, right? Um, I, I they seem to be going for like a, a growing sense of dread, which is then you know like horribly confirmed, rather than a like shock out of nowhere yeah. Uh, yeah. kind of reaction, even even within episode eight. Um, but nevertheless, it did seem that that went down better. Um, and I think that all of the all of the stuff that the marketing team obviously likes to play up the let's get everybody talking, let's like let, let's have everybody debating about who Sauron really is. I totally understand that from a marketing standpoint, but I do think at the end of the day, it hurts the dis- the discussion of the, it's 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 a mere distraction by something which afterwards is no longer interesting. That's what I mean. Like, surprise is cheap. Mystery is cheap. Um, well, and and when you have something as sophisticated as this, when you have other opportunities, it's just a bit of a shame. Like, that's the route you took. And yeah. the marketing versus production is kind of a moot point, really, because marketing leans into where the reaction is. So yeah. the, the story was already there. Like, they were clearly flirting with who Sauron is. You know, they they set up these scenes between the mystics and the stranger and things like that to make us think that maybe that's Sauron. And they yeah. purposely did that, planted those red herrings sure. that were just a bit too on the nose. But marketing, you know, picked it up and made shorts and made trailers. The and kind of stranger you know, forming the eye of Sauron with the fire ring of flames. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, marketing picking up on it. Sure. Maybe that like fanned the flames. But all of these things were kind of still there. And cheap storytelling, I feel like, is, I don't know, I, I don't want to get catty is the best word I can come up with. You know, I don't want to get like, oh, it's crap. It's like, well, right. no, it's just a shame. I, you know, it, there's, there's so much more that we expect from these stories. And if you're going to take something like Tolkien, we're going to assume that you're going to put the same thought into it that we would yeah and i know <laughs> they and have I think, in so many yeah, ways they have they have it's just so many at ways the end, like i that i just i don't consider that successful yeah and so, yeah, i forget you said it just that. a minute ago but i'm 100 percent still holding on to the two halbrand theory as well like <laughs> there's some holes in it but if we saw a dead halbrand body in the episode one of season two i would get it it would i would sense. love it I, I would, would be on board, you know. I would, that. I would love it because that would be a better story. That would yep. preserve the original Halbrand story. Whilst Which was it would, really that, interesting. That would be like a have your cake and eat it too thing. And yeah. again, that, that's that's the the point is not predicting that. The point is not even when I when I've talked about the two Halbrand theory in the past. It's not about saying, like, this is what I think the real story is. No, I'm saying is that would be a better story. <laughs> in yes. my opinion, yes. that would be a better story. And whether still you know time. the lore, <laughs> Yeah, whether you know the lore or not, it was a yes. really interesting character. I was really engaged by this person who had a shady past and wanted to start afresh. That's something we can all relate to in terms of, you know, a hero the story and a monomyth and all that stuff. Parallel and the, yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was great. Yeah. That was, by the way, yeah. that was one of the things that... Um, landed really strongly with my guests who were seeing it for the first time was how much Halbrand was like Aragorn and the parallel between the Halbrand story mm-hmm. and the Aragorn story. Um, they they were picking up on that very strongly and they loved it. 
I was I was that was one out one little element that I was that I was noticing. And that's um, lovely. I mean, we know they've got quite a few allusions to the the Peter Jackson trilogy, and and it's nice that we can latch onto those things and be like, oh, cool. But yeah. Aragorn is also this like perfect example of monomyth, which we can see in a thousand other you know heroes. Yeah. So it's so nice that we have those examples that we can see in Halbrand, in Aragorn, in Frodo. You know, like you can do these these comparisons. It's just a shame that Halbrand isn't more. They could still pull a fast one on us. Maybe there's still some other, I don't know, trick up their sleeve to to mess with that reveal. But yeah, yeah, episode eight, <laughs> we were all just kind of like, oh. <laughs> it was funny. Uh, so, um, uh, after I'm, tr- I'm trying to forget, I th- I'm trying to remember. I think it was after episode six, um, in our uh, uh, in our that was dessert course. I think. Um, uh, we had, we, I, I made chocolate fondue anyway, uh, in, in our dessert course session between episode six and seven, um, six is where we just followed the one storyline, right? That the was the big battle. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And ends with the eruption. Um, yeah. and, uh, the, one of the guests was saying, uh, we, we were talking about Sauron, um, and Matthias and I were trying not to spoil it uh, for them. And um, well done, Matthias. Yeah, yeah, he, he did a great job. Um, and uh, he, the, one of our guests, would laid out exactly the idea that I had had um, about how, like, I think Sauron is already in in Eregion and he's been behind the scenes of like you know orchestrating everything that's going on there with Celebrimbor and Linden and everything. And I was like. Yep, <laughs> that's exactly. I, I I still think, again, not a prediction, just saying, that from what I'm seeing of what we've been shown in the show, what I know from the text, and my opinion of what makes the best story, that is still the best mm-hmm. story. I still hope it turns out to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, and, yeah, and it's. I mean, I I realize we're we're focusing on the things that bothered us, but those are the easiest things to talk about, you know. So. But, I, I still want to say there's so many things that they've gotten right. And that's what I'm gathering more of on this mm-hmm. rewatch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just being able to sit back and enjoy it. And the best part of it has been Barry Mercury's score. Yeah. This, like, I want to do a whole thing on the storytelling of his music because it's, it's just beautiful. I'm really but looking the forward elements, to his blog entries when they, when I know they I can't wait till yeah. we can dig into those. So I'm like, I'm loving the music. I'm loving the design. I'm really enjoying some of the character performances that kind of irked me before. And Bronwyn is, is growing a little bit in my estimation. So don't okay. worry. We're, we're getting better. Yeah. But the things yeah. that bother me still bother me. Like that hasn't changed. The pacing is still an issue. The Halbrand is still an issue. Mithril is still an issue. Gilgalad is still an issue. The fact that Celebrimbor didn't know the alloys were made by combining two metals. No, I, I, just... I don't think that that's what is necessarily being implied there, but the fact that people can have that, re- like that it opens up that reaction. Yes. I, I don't think Halbrand was teaching him about, like, oh, you can combine metals? I didn't know. Um, I think that that was just either, like... but the way that it was played was exactly. way too simplistic. It was awkwardly like written because yes. they had to, they felt they had to, uh, you know, over-explain it so that the audience would get it. Yes. Um, and therefore put and the that ring, exposition the crown, awkwardly the... into the oh, into the discussion. Yeah. Um, that was very awkwardly done and therefore created this yeah. appearance like Kelly Brimbor had never heard of an alloy before, which, again, I yeah, don't and... think that they were 
trying to imply but no and it also like oversimplified that that storyline which is not what we wanted so like i get the repeating it so people can understand it but the whole thing about like it needs to be circular like a crown like a, you know that like they overplayed some of those elements at the cost of other things that i think we could have used more explanation of like why did they need to build this giant forge for an oven that was this big well, there's something about the magic that those rings had to hold, right? I'm asking you, because like there's something about the power of the ring that was too powerful. And you get that explanation in other ways, but we didn't get that explanation in the show. So like there's certain elements of like actual power and magic mm -hmm. that I think come from Anatar and correct me if I'm wrong here, well, that we, they, they we didn't don't... get that. It was one of the really striking choices. And I hear almost nobody talking about this. Mm. But one of the biggest most impactful choices that they made was downplaying elvish magic. Oh. Elves don't do magic like anywhere, as far as I can see. No elf does anything magical at any time in the Rings of Power, as far as I can see. They're transforming elf magic into technology, primarily, it seems yeah. to me. I mean, at least that's, I mean, can anybody think of any example of anything magic, like any time when something which hobbits would call magic is done, you know, by by an elf. It's not to say there was nothing magic that ever happened, um, or there was no place for magic in Middle Earth at all. But it was, um, it no, was pretty. I mean, everything else remarkable. just looks like skill and talent and traits of the elves, not magic. Yeah, and, and so. Um, yeah, yeah, um, oh. yeah. Uh, While Ronnie is dropping doors, that's still just skills. Like elves can see really far; they can hear really well. They're yeah. very nimble and good yeah. with a sword. We're given like physiological explanations for that. They're different, right? Um, but no, Eric, you don't have the power to send people to Valinor. You just have the authority. Hmm. You just have, uh, Gilgalad Gil has the authority. It's not by his power. He doesn't do anything. Wait a second. I just thought of something. I just thought of an example. That scene in episode one, when Galadriel is going on the boat, and then we cut back to Elrond and he says, she has passed beyond my sight. Okay. He can see, he can not see. like by the acuity of his vision, um, as Galadriel seeing the coastline from you yeah. know, an hour before everybody else. Um, but by some kind of sight, right? He can see her. That's, that's, there we go. The actual magic. There you go. There's one. There's one. But talk one. about downplayed. Yeah, really. And especially with Celebrimbor and especially with the Rings of Power. Mm. Um, what you're talking about, about like, if, if it's about like um, the special furnace we have to make, right? If it's about the shape of the metal and everything like yeah. that. Again, these are ways in which they're trying to make it sort of mechanical. Right. Yeah. In that way. Um, but uh, and anyway, I'm not I, I think I am not categorically against that choice. I let me let me emphasize. I think it's interesting. And I think there are actually good reasons. There are many Tolkien scholars who take a low view of magic in Middle Earth. Like it's very possible. There have only been a few extremists who have tried to maintain there is no magic in Middle Earth. There are people who have attempted to maintain that thesis um, in their reading of the stories. I think it's a little bit contrarian to go that far. Like, I, I don't I don't think the text really uh, suggests or demands that far. But um, 
the, of course, the reason for this discussion is that is the way that Tolkien is very cautious about using the word magic to what, you know, and uh, uh, like, when is it ma magic and when is it just art? Um, what are, th when is it, uh, when is it magic and when is it technology? The uh, apparently magical ability of the Tower of Orthanc to resist the strength of the Ents, for instance, um, is, it's, you could say, you could say, oh, it, it, it was, it was magic. It was built by magic. But it also seems very possible, even likely, that there is what we would call a technological explanation of that mm -hmm. based on the various like architectural and metallurgical discoveries of the Numenorians, right, who built the thing. Um, but um, anyway, uh, so and, and like what is magic exactly and how does it work? I mean, these things are, are deliberately nebulous in Tolkien's world. He does not define it. This is not, um, you know, Tolkien is not... Brandon Sanderson, for instance, like developing and explaining different magical systems and showing you how they all work uh, during, you know, that's not how um, I love that about Brandon Sanderson's novel. That is not how uh, uh, novels, that is not how Tolkien works. And so therefore, there's a range of ways in which you can interpret it. And so I don't think their choice to do this is illegitimate. But as always, there are costs and benefits to any choice that are made. And I do think some of the awkward moments of episode eight there with Calabrimbor in particular seem to me a direct result of this particular choice to kind of, at the very least, sort of downplay um, mm -hmm. the, uh, uh, the, the magic of the elves. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, I don't want to get into that whole topic of like magic and Tolkien because it's a huge topic and I've talked about it many other places and at many other times. Um, but um, uh, but I think there's a, a lot of power in a rewatch. So I'm, I think I, I, I was just excited to talk to you because it's been so long since we've talked Rings of Power, yeah. but also just to have some fresh eyes on it, that the things that still irk me still irk me. But oh my goodness, am I enjoying this so much more? And I'm only four episodes into the rewatch, so I'm looking forward to the next one. Sadly, I can't do it all in one day. Um, yeah. So I'm yeah. have I to wouldn't do that. have either. But uh, because my yeah. sons requested it, I was like, okay, I'm clearing the decks. We're going to spend this whole day uh, doing but, that. But it is lovely, you know. And and yeah. there is a really nice flow between the episodes and how one goes straight into the other. And um, so yeah, I'm I'm definitely enjoying round seven or eight or whatever I'm on now, but you know, round one of doing a straight watch through it's, yeah, it's been really, yeah. really enjoyable. Uh, yeah. So for all of its faults and questions and queries that we have about the adaptation and the process, like we're aware this isn't just for us. Again, I have to remind Corey of that sometimes it's not just it's for not the just Tolkien for, fans. Right? Exactly. Exactly. But it's nice Speaking that there are which, some elements from the Tolkien fans that we're really latching onto. Speaking of which, let's talk about Gandalf. Okay. Um, this a is, lot of discussion around Gandalf. A lot of discussion around weeks. Gandalf. Same thing here. Same thing here. Um, when I t w my resistance to the stranger being Gandalf, this is simply like because I don't think that would be a very good story. Nor do I think. I don't think that much is gained from that. I again, when I look at cost benefit, when I want to do cost benefit analysis of that adaptation choice of having that be Gandalf, I, but that it's underwater. That's all. I think in my in my own analysis, 
that decision is underwater in the cost benefit analysis uh, option. It 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 has more costs uh, than it has benefits, in my opinion. Um, but this is where you get back. We get back. It's why I segued to this, Maggie, because it's back to they're not just doing this for my benefit, right? Um, their assessment of the benefits of making it Gandalf are clearly higher than mine, right? Um, uh, the fact that Gandalf is a fan favorite, that many people will like to see more Gandalf. Um, even the fact, and I've, I've, I've said from the beginning that one of the clear benefits of having the stranger turn out to be actually Gandalf and not just another wizard is that we get, like, cool backstory of his relationship with hobbits, mm. right? Um, and that that could be a sort of mutually, it does have the opportunity to be a very mutually enriching thing, right? Our knowledge of his relationship with hobbits in the future enriches our view of his interaction with the Harfoots now. What happens with the Harfoots now can then also retroactively recontextualize in some really attractive and fun ways, I think, um, what he does in the future, right? I'm not, I absolutely agree that that's a benefit. That's been, like, the number one thing. If I'm honest, in my opinion, the only thing, which is in the, like, positive pan of the scale. <laughs> it's the only benefit that I really count um, as being worth very much. But again, this is where we come up to the difference in valuation, I suspect. Like, yeah. fans love Gandalf, and it will help people to connect with this character more if they find out it's Gandalf. To me, this is... It, I... I have no benefit or negative benefit from that, but I understand that other people yeah, may I mean, feel differently. Backstory and unpublished elements and all that kind of stuff is just so interesting. I remember being at LeakyCon in 2011 when they first announced Pottermore, and that was the right. like online platform yep. for Harry Potter yep. fans to get more information about behind the scenes and interact with things online. And the, the scene that they showed as the example during this con was McGonagall's child, um, teen years at Hogwarts and like the room erupted like people lost their minds that they were going to get like some backstory of McGonagall that had never come out before so 100% on board with mm -hmm. this whole tell me more I want something that I haven't seen before that is right. still like Gandalf in the world backstory. Gandalf origin right. story basically is what we're getting exactly and like I, I would love that I would love to see yeah. an origin story of Gandalf that yeah. sounds so fun but the lead up so far has just felt gimmicky as opposed to engaging. So like right now, I don't, I don't really care who it is. Just tell me more of the story. If it ends up being Gandalf, then great. That'll feed into it. But like the reveal of Gandalf isn't the point for me right now. The reveal of that storyline is very engaging. And I think they're doing a really good job with that storyline. I think the Gandalf thing is quite distracting. And that's my yeah. issue, I guess. It doesn't and really again, matter. And uh, again, to but... me, this comes back to the whole like uh, atmosphere of speculation, right? About it. That, that has been fueled by uh, the whole thing, right? The fact that everyone is like, is it Gandalf or is it not Gandalf? And I've been saying from the beginning, that is not the question the story yeah. is prompting us to ask. The, the, the question that the story is prompting us to ask, which was answered well, I thought. I loved the way that the stranger Nori sequence happened in episode eight. I liked that. Um, the question was set up explicitly in episode five um, for, uh, you know, with but but we've been building this from episode two when the stranger really came in. Um, 
was, is he good or is he bad? Right. Um, You know, is he good or is he a peril? Right. That's that has been the question that was all the way through and which that that's the question which comes to an explicit crisis. Right. And Nori prompting him to make a choice. Right. Does he want to be good or does he want to be a peril? Um, And I loved that. I loved how that worked out. I loved how all that went. But like it was the way in which like what the story actually was showing us and what the story cared about and what everybody was being encouraged to talk about. Is it Gandalf mm-hmm. or not? Right. Mm-hmm. The, like the gap between those two things annoyed yeah. me constantly yeah, throughout the yeah. season. That's what I mean. Like his, like, like Halbred, like their story arcs are so good. Why are we focusing on this gimmicky thing? But it's that gimmicky thing that is really engaging to a broad audience. They've yeah. heard of Sauron. They've heard of Gandalf. Let's tap into that and feed that fire and get people more engaged. Because look, it's working. We're still talking about it. But it's also like, oh, but that's not where I want you to focus. I want you to focus on X, Y, Z. And it yeah. really does. Like whenever the, the, the focus, especially when the focus is being fed by the, by, by, you know, by, by the marketing, I, I think it's doing harm. When that mm-hmm. focus is actually in conflict, like his intention with what the story is actually doing. Again, that's not what the story was asking us to care about. Um, and so therefore, in yes. as much as that discussion was happening, it is a mere, at best, a side, an irrelevant sideline. Like that's the best case scenario. At worst, a, d- a distraction that undermines the actual story. If you ignore that, if you didn't know anything about that, if you came yeah. and watched that plot line 10 years from now, never having like known anything about it, um, you would never know that that was an issue. And yeah. I think you would appreciate and enjoy that much, much better. And it just um, felt a little, a little fluffy sometimes. And then, the, you know, the conversations we got to have with the cast and crew on here and on our Twitter show and things like that, I was floored every single time about the depth of their understanding, the depth mm-hmm. of their commitment to lore and knowledge and you know the dynamics of their characters and just all these really lovely nuances and really sophisticated elements of of storytelling and then we focus on a gimmick i and uh, yeah that's the part that i'm still just kind of like but why (laughs) (laughs) right right yeah no that was that was that was frustrating but again like i don't want to lose the fact that like what was actually there especially in the in the stranger story is really good now but now coming back to this question of like is he really gandalf and my continuing to say I, even at the end of the season, I don't think it's necessary that he's Gandalf. Like, I don't, I don't think it's a, it's a, it's a clear smoking gun that he's Gandalf. And actually, and also why I'm not disappointed one way or another, I'm not going to care. Like my level of disappointment about it turning out to be Gandalf has already dropped uh, to almost zero. And the primary reason for that is the number one reason I said way back when I did that I hope it does not turn out to be true that he's Gandalf is that I wanted him to be a blue wizard instead. That what I wanted, what I felt there was the opportunity for was to fill out that story. The blue wizards go into the east and fight Sauron in the east. And the whole, like, this is a fill-in-the-blank adaptation, right? And one of the blanks, that's that's a huge blank to fill in. Who were the blue wizards? But wait, back up a step from that. Uh, Another huge blank to fill in. How did Sauron rise to power? How is, like, what happens when... 
Harad and the and Rune fall under his sway? What is the process there, right? What are the yeah. stories that came, and how were the like the proto Nazgul involved in that? And where did the and, you know, so origin connecting and, that with the origin story of the Nazgul too? And oh my goodness, there's so that's a really cool story which we know kind of have we kind of know it happened, but Tolkien never tells that story. That's a great story to do in the mm -hmm. fill in the blank thing, right? So by all means, let's do the East. Let's do Rune. Let's watch that. We got to see it a little bit with the Southlands in season one with uh, with Waldreg's character uh, and others, right, about how people come under Sauron's sway. Um, we, that story itself isn't finished. But anyway, we, we got a taste of it there. And that was that was interesting. I really liked the way that that was handled in general. Um, I'm really interested in to see more. But then, like, it's not just Rune and Harad, right? It's also the Blue Wizards, right? Like, oh, you got these other characters. What were they up to? Did they fail or did they not fail? Who even knows? Tolkien didn't know. He changed his mind all the time, right? Yeah. So so that's what I wanted. That's, like, to me, that was the cost. Like, if this just turns out to be Gandalf and he's just going to do Gandalf things, and does that mean we're not going to get that story? That's right. why, at that point, I was like, if that turns out to be Gandalf, gonna be, it's going to be such a lost opportunity. Now... Oh. Gandalf the Blue? I'm fine with Gandalf the Blue. He's he's it, they're doing it. Like it's happening. It's happening, people. Like we're going to Rune. He's doing the Blue Wizard thing. I don't care if he's Gandalf or not, right? He's doing the Blue Wizard thing. What I wanted to happen is happening. The thing that I thought would be great if it happened looks like it's it's going on. I'm fine. Call him Gandalf if you want to call him Gandalf. I yeah, don't like I think it. That's why, but I think that's why like I'm like part of it is my like insecurity of not knowing all the lore, but like I think that's part of why I don't really care if it's Gandalf or not because the storyline's really good. So like if they're doing a thing that I want to follow, yeah. This factor of Izzy Gandalf doesn't matter. If you want to yeah. tell me that's fine and you know, you're laying a lot of seeds. It wouldn't surprise me if if that's who right. it ended up being. But not at the cost of the character. Like, I don't think any of that is really, it's a little distraction, but I don't think any of it is like to the detriment of Gandalf or the stranger right. storyline. Right. Yeah. And, and so like, but then now we just come back to the fact that one of the reasons why many others have not wanted to be Gandalf, but this has not been high on my own personal view is the extent in which the, the, the changes that it makes from the original story. Um, on the one hand, Tolkien did say that the Blue Wizards arrived during the Second Age. Like, in his later writings when he was changing lots of stuff, he said that at one point. So there is a there is an idea that that's there. But it's not Gandalf. And as I explained at the time, way back when, the biggest cost, in my mind, of Gandalf's... of it being Gandalf. If this is Gandalf, then we're going to lose the scene that I love which we get very briefly in, uh, um, in Unfinished Tales, which is the story of Gandalf's arrival, last of all the wizards, last and most reluctant of all the wizards, coming to Middle-earth uh, and meeting Cirdan the Shipwright, and Cirdan the Shipwright giving him the Ring of Power on the docks when he arrives, because Cirdan foresees that he's the one who's going to need it and who's going to, 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 to use it best. And so he gives him the ring of power and nobody else knows that he gave him the ring of power. Um, mm. I love that story. I love that story. I love what it does about Gandalf. And we, as far as I can see, lose that story. Maybe they're gonna try to integrate some kind of element of that somehow with the stranger's story, if you know if this, the stranger is indeed Gandalf. Um, but again, I'm cost and benefits, right? Cost yeah. and benefits, and to me, that's a 
it's a heavy cost. I can reconcile myself to it. Now, again, I and this is why I don't. The mere fact, and we've talked about this so often, right? Like they changed it. Like I'm not going to get upset about them making changges. No. Instead, I'm going to think about what do those changes mean? mean what are and the benefits? Why did they and make what that are the decision? costs? Yes. Yeah. Why, how yeah. does this change make sense? Um, is it really going to be? Oh wait, hang on, I'm forgetting our word. Um, a uh, was it a cosmic? Um, it wasn't cos. Was it cosmic? I think we've it got was a cosmic. few. We've got the music version, and we've got the mythology yeah, version. We the, need the, we need to write these down. We need a glossary. Um, yeah, we were because we were talking about it. Right, um, anacosmic. That was anacosmic. It. Anacosmic, right? Because we were wanting a parallel uh, to anachronism. Anachronism. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, is it um, anacosmic or not? Like, to what extent is it anacosmic mm -hmm. to have the stranger be Gandalf? Um, and a lot of those, I'm not saying that I don't think it it could be. I think it, I think that it is possible, but it relies upon the answers to a lot of questions that we just frankly don't know. Yeah. Why would he come in a comet in the first place? There's presumably an answer to that. No one's even gestured at an answer to that. Like the show has given us nothing at all uh, to base an answer to that question on. Without any information, it's hard to speculate. I, I assume there is an answer. The answer to that question would do a lot to yeah. my analysis of whether that's an anacosmic choice or not. Um, the mere change in chronology, this is something that I've been trying to talk about a lot. I disagree with everybody who says the way they've shifted around chronology um, like totally destroys the story. I could not disagree more. I, yeah. I do not find anything jarring or anacosmic in the way that they have changed the chronology. Indeed, I would go the other way. I would even go so far as to say their chronology in some ways works better for me than Tolkien's chronology. When he took, when he created the tale of years and basically took the events, the few events of the second age that he had already had in mind, and when he created the Tale of Years, spread them out. Um, he created uh, like gaps and weaknesses. I don't think he would ever have done it that way if he were actually writing a novel of the of the you know doing a, a full romance version um, like the the Lord of the Rings of the Second Age. I don't think that Tolkien himself would have stuck with that chronology because yeah. it's dull. It requires yeah. Sauron to be sitting and doing nothing for a thousand years. And that's not gonna. That's certainly not gonna work in TV, and there's no reason for it. Like it's anyway. So I, I, I actually, I have yet to see a single change in chronology that seems to me to have a significant, or at least no one has convinced me. Um, no comment that anyone has made about the chronology has convinced me that any of the changes they've made to the chronology has a real impact. The one difference being Durin's Bane. That's why Durin's Bane was a thing because by pulling Durin's Bane coming out and trashing Khazad-dûm into the Second Age, there are two things that we lose. We lose the Golden Age of Khazad-dûm, which spans, you know, thousands of years. And the idea of Khazad-dûm... Khazad-dûm's story becomes, instead of being the story of the great Golden Age of dwarfdom that spanned thousands of years, but now tragically is lost, instead of that, we get... Um, 
the story of Casa Doom becomes the story of what might have been, but never was. And that's a major change, um, which is a little hard for me to swallow. And the other thing, of course, is the big gap, like what it does to the third age, like what's going to happen in the third age now? And how do you how do you how do you adapt the third age stories that 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 the, the, the Balrog coming out in was in the middle of so. that? Yeah. yeah, I mean that, that that that's a fixable problem potentially, yeah. but it's creating a big problem that needs fixing that but I don't think is this, necessary. But but I think it's also this. I mean, we talk about timeline a lot, but I think it's also bears repeating that. Like, it's also that kind of stuff that I think people fixate on because a timeline sounds like a factual thing. A timeline is a historical noted element, but you forget we're in fiction and we're allowed to play with that. So right. it's not history it is something that is malleable and like we were saying with the wonderful comparison that your wife made to a, a, an emergency room right. if we watched an actual emergency room yeah some dramatic things might happen if we were sitting there for 24 hours you know <laughs> yes. watching but if you're watching er the tv show you're gonna see like a cut finger and maybe a concussion and that's about it in 49 minutes right. so you need something right. to like compact all that together so it's yeah. boom 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 you have 80 percent of the emergency... episodes would be very dull <laughs> yeah, you have all those emergencies that actually happen in an er but instead of happening over the course of like a week you're gonna put them all in the same 44 minutes because that makes it way more dramatic yeah. so that's all yeah. we're doing with this we're taking this massive yeah. timeline yeah. all of these elements are still factual points we're just going like this um, yeah. That's allowed. And, yeah. And I think that the, the one other thing where people are expressing concern about the chronology is with Numenor. But there, I think that they're letting their fears guide them and not their analysis guide them. Mm. It is, it's, I've been saying from the beginning that, like, the question of how are they going to handle Numenor? Are they going to be able to provide the effect of Numenor and its fall within? Uh, the chronological shift that they're doing has always been a challenge. And I've been saying that since long before the show came out. I am not convinced that they are failing at that challenge. And I think everything that I've seen yeah. when people are saying like, oh, the chronology is horrible because of what they've done to Numenor. I think they're speaking way beyond what we've seen. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing we have to keep reminding ourselves. We are a fifth of the way through. And the, I know we keep saying that's a big ask of an audience. It's a big ask. Like, I get it. That's a big ask. You are asking. Yeah. And they've said that specifically to us. You know, the showrunners are like, guys, just hang on. You know, season one is a foundation. They're really going to get into it season two. So, like, we're excited about that because, you know, they're telling Tolkien people that's that's where we're going to really hit our stride. Great. That's really something to look forward to. But in terms of, you know, a general audience, that's still a big ask to get them to hang on for things to make more sense going into season two. Yeah. But when you compare it to like the Jackson trilogy and we are at the point where they arrive at the inn in Brie, mm -hmm. that's how far we are. Like <laughs> right. we've got so much time for all of this to make sense. Right. Exactly. So much time. Yeah. yeah. And a, a quick Gandalf thing. Um, Scott Weber asked a great question. Is there a chance that proto Gandalf, die, like the stranger dies in the, at the end of the series or wherever and is reincarnated again and then comes back and arrives the way he's supposed to so that we, we kind of, oh, nice. you know, get it both ways. I do think that that's possible. I dislike that. And the reason I dislike that is that it makes Gandalf dying and being reincarnated like a routine operation. Right? Like the it doctor? Really, yeah. It really undermines um, the <laughs> reincarnation of Gandalf in The Lord of the Rings. Right? Um, it's very clear that there's a huge difference between Gandalf 1.0 and Gandalf 2.0 
within the story of the Lord of the Rings. And if it turns out that like this is, you know, alpha or like beta Gandalf. Right. And, uh, you know, prior to Gandalf one point again, if if this is just like, uh, you know, like another day at the office, like come to Middle Earth, die and come back again, um, then it completely recontextualizes in a bad way, like in an undermining way. What happens with Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings? That's why I wouldn't like that okay. again to, again to me is, is it possible yeah would it be horrible no it wouldn't be horrible but is it costly yeah and for my blood again too costly i would that's why that's why i wouldn't have gone there that's why i wouldn't have gone there even to please the fans i wouldn't have gone there um because there's See, i'm just... going like and i'm going oh that's an interesting perspective i can see that so like you know it depends how it's played out i guess but yeah yeah no i mean it's it's uh it's fine like i i i um um yeah, I. Yeah, so I, I, I just <laughs> wouldn't. I, I, I don't think it's horrible. I don't think it would be the worst possible outcome. I'm just saying it's, it's actually it's one of the things that I have. It's one of the potential outcomes that has led me to dislike the idea of its being Gandalf for exactly that reason. But, um, uh, anyway, um. We'll, I love that we'll there's see. 10 minutes left and there were so many other things we were going to talk about. So many other this, things. Yeah. This is our life, folks. It is. But I do feel like we should like maybe skim the surface of what we talked about before we went on air, of just what we're looking at going forward. Looking at going forward. Absolutely. So um, what we've decided it's time to settle down to do is something that we've not done real justice to. Directly. But we've, been, we've been dancing around it for months. And I'm and itching. That is, to do it to do an actual discussion of the peter jackson films as an adaptation of the lord of the rings um we've been kind of using that i mean that's been an obvious backdrop it's been a point of comparison all the way through um but we haven't really taken the time to say let's sit down with these as an adaptation and look at them and really yeah. say what is happening here? Let's look at the, the way that it's related to the text. Let's look at the way that the story works and let's kind of see how this functions. Um, and I think that that will really help to, I mean, it's arguably something we should have done a long time ago, but better, uh, better late than never. So, yeah. um, so we're going to, we're going to start that. Now there's, there's a couple other things we're, we're going to probably end up interrupting it because we're going to have some guests coming in at various points. We're working on a bunch of future guests and we've got some other, including guests to talk about other things. So like, for instance, we have a couple uh, of our Signum colleagues that we want to come in. We want to talk about Dune with and the yeah. Dune adaptations. Um, uh, so we got a, a couple of Dune specialists who just published uh, a, a really cool recent book on Dune. Um, and I love Dune. I would, I, I'm, I'm really interested to talk about the film adaptation uh, with them, the recent film adaptation. Um, so we're going to, when, when, when we can arrange for them to come and join us, um, uh, this is, uh, 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 yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, so. And, yeah, so we're hoping we'll to see. have like, you know, a few other things mixed in here. So it's not all going to be Rings of Power, not all of the Rings. So I have to talk to somebody about Susan Cooper's Dark is Rising adaptation yeah. that just finished on BBC. So like, we got to do a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, so we'll, we'll dabble a few things in there and try to aim for like a guest a month kind of a thing. And that might be people from our Signum community, that might be people from the Lord of the Rings community, that might be, you know, cast and crew from these adaptations. So yeah. the goal is going to be one a month, 
the goal is going to be one or two Lord of the Rings focused things a month, and then the other one be a different adaptation potentially. Yeah, there are also other discussions. I mean, I really enjoy. I felt like I learned a lot actually from our Christmas Carol discussions. I mean, that on the one so hand, fun. it was kind of a fun holiday and was, thing, and it was such a like brain breath to like yes. reanalyze different stuff. Yes. So I really enjoyed that. Like, again, we talked about the point of doing that was to remove some emotion and to go back to our tools, and that's really helpful for us as guides yeah. as well to remove ourselves yeah. from lord of the rings so i really enjoyed that and we'd like to do more of that yeah we definitely like to do more of that many people have suggested and i think it was um uh it, it would be a great idea i'd love to do a similar like we did actually a very similar pattern to what we did with the christmas yeah. carol looking at some retelling adaptations and some rearrangement adaptations yep. of jane austen uh, is another yeah that would be awesome would love to do that um many people have suggested that as well so um uh, and then anyhow, there's, there's yeah. some that I think would just be a good exercise of just how the same element is told different ways. So, you know, Little Women is one that I've done as a case study. Um, Chronicles of Narnia is one we've done as a case study. I bet Brenton would have something to say about that. We'd bring him in. Uh, yes. But there's there's just so many things that I think would be fun for us to go off on a little tangent about. Yeah. And by the way, as a pure side note, um, I think I mentioned before I've been watching The Clone Wars. Uh, yeah. I, I never saw him. And so I've been watching. I'm in season five now of the Clone Wars. It is brilliant. I am loving the Clone Wars. And I am fascinated at the relationship between the Clone Wars as a series and the prequel films, especially oh, Revenge of the Sith. Guys, this um, is years of fodder. We now have so like Star Wars, Marvel, Sandman, absolutely. And. Eric Arthurian, 100%, will cover some of that as well. Yeah. We did two classes of that in the Inklings and King Arthur class. Yes. And in yeah. Gabriel Shank's King Arthur in, class. Yeah, in the, in the Signum MA program courses. Yeah, in both of those yeah. in the Signum MA program, we did classes on that. So I would love to do like a, a King Arthur adaptation light version um, and maybe bring Gabriel in for that to discuss those because yeah. they're yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, that would be fun. So anyway, there's there's lots of oh man, and Sapphire, don't even get me started on Dracula adaptations. Oh, holy cow, that uh, is see, a, that is like a whole industry that I just love. Um, Dracula, one of my favorite books, and I am fascinated yeah. by the variations in ad, in yeah. approaches to adaptation of that. So good. And the modern, like the BBC one versus oh, there's so many beautiful versions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yep. we've, we've got a lot of fun stuff we could cover. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, season, so th these are all just some of examples some... of the addition to Lord of the Rings stuff that we want to get to and why. And and again, I, this is not just like, we're going to stop talking about the Lord of the Rings. Now, all of this stuff is relevant. My hope and goal is, I know that I am, and I hope that many of you can as well, take some of these discussions of adaptations that we're doing and then be working to build both, as I've been overtly trying to do building a set of vocabulary as well as building sort of interpretive tools that we can then apply um, and really come to understand how adaptation works a little bit freshly. One of my goals is to, um, I would like to, early in my career as the Tolkien professor, I set out to at least um, influence the do Balrogs have wings question. That was one of my first career goals <laughs> as a podcaster. And actually I did. I think I think I did influence that. Like I get cited a lot when people when people talk about that now. Um, but uh, one of my new goals, I'm stating this today. I'm, I'm, I'm putting a stake in the ground here today. 
one of my new goals is to explode the entire adaptation versus fan fiction thing. I want I, if 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 I am successful, <laughs> I would like to create help to create a world in which people who try to make that dis, that distinction, especially pejoratively, feel silly. That's <laughs> that is that is that is one of my goals. Um, I'm on board uh, with that. Okay, we yeah, can work with yeah. this. Absolutely. Gorgeous. I don't have a specific goal yet, but I will think about it <laughs> because I feel like now I have to stake a claim as well. But I feel like so much of it is just working on a toolkit. So we'll we'll start mm -hmm. with that to to leave your torches and pitchforks at home, and to enjoy as much of the world of creativity as you can, whether it be written or visual or audio or whatever. Just mm -hmm. try to leave anger at the door and learn joy from an open mind. <laughs> right, right, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for joining us. Um, we should be back for the next two weeks. I'll be away the last week of January um, down in Australia for Ozmoot, which is going to be fantastic. Um, so excited about that. Um, but uh, but for the next so the, the next two weeks after next this, two weeks we'll we're be, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be proceeding. And then in February we've got two where we're going to be together in New Hampshire, yes. probably at Studio Lab. So look forward to some fun stuff there. Yeah, definitely going to have some fun stuff in uh, uh, in in February uh, when yeah. you're around. That's going to be awesome. Excellent. Thanks, everybody, cool. for joining Thanks, us as James. always. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye now.